There's a few things that the Lord has been stirring in my heart for this year. And I must say this, actually, uh, that I am not generally one that comes up with phrases for the year. You know, if you've known me, I don't tend to say, this is the year of this. And I was looking on Facebook the other day, I realized even the, the banks have statements they say about the year. I was like, wow, I didn't even realize, like, even businesses and just people that don't know God just have eBay. Was eBay, what was eBay's uh, statement? I can't remember now. It was something. <laughs> and it, they, just, it, they just have short phrases. They say, 2015, the year of this, the year of this. And I'm like, wow, amazing. But I'm not one that tends to come up with phrases and think about, oh, what's next year about, you know. But this year in particular, I wasn't even praying and thinking about this. And I feel like the Lord was downloading some things to me for this year. So I want to just quickly go through some of these things. And I'm hoping that as I teach and preach it, um, we would have times where we'll make declarations and pray. And hopefully pray some more at the end as well. I'll just say one more prayer before I actually start. Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation right now. I thank you that as I speak, Lord, you release the oracles of heaven. I thank you, Father, that as I speak, Lord, our hearts are receiving what you're saying in this season and in this hour. Father, I ask for the flow of the Holy Spirit, Lord, even upon my heart right now. Release your words, prophetic words, for people right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God is building his kingdom and the gates of hell will not prevail. God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. And his kingdom is advancing in the nation. And uh, the kingdom of darkness is very organized because it's been here for years and years and centuries. And, you know, there's, there's a lot that's going on in the kingdom of darkness. And uh, we don't focus on the kingdom of darkness. We focus on the kingdom of light. But the prophetic gift that God has given to the body, it says in the last days, I pour my spirits on all flesh and sons and daughters will prophesy. Why is it that the prophetic gift is the main gift that's highlighted? Have you thought about that? Of all the giftings of the spirit, the prophetic gift is highlighted in the last days as a key gifting that's necessary. Because the prophetic gift does not just hear what God's saying. The prophetic gift discerns what the enemy is doing. And the church is equipped to not react to the enemy, but respond to truth. Many people are just reacting. We, in the church, we're just reacting. You know, and, I, and I always say, if, God forbid, if, you know, like a terrorist attack happened right now in, in the nation or something, you know, again, another collapse or something just crazy happens, I guarantee you next Sunday, most churches in the nation will call for a prayer meeting to pray for the nation. Why does it have to be a calamity that causes us to then start to pray? Whereas if we're operating the prophetic anointing, we can discern something before it happens. Because we're not just hearing what God's saying, we're discerning what the enemy is planning because we're, walk, we're walking with the keys of revelation that God promised Peter. They're keys of revelation. Not just one key, keys, meaning there's several doors up there that need to be opened. Anyway, so I'm saying that to preface what I'm about to say about this year. When God releases revelation like this, he's warning us to be prepared and to be uh, uh, kind of... Uh, a position rightly for what he's about to do. So if you're taking notes, I want you to make this declaration. I want you to make, write this and make this declaration first one. 
that 2015 is a year of deep devotion. Two thousand and fifteen is a year of deep devotion. There are three things, three declarations like that. I'm gonna uh, uh, just touch on briefly. See, God always prepares His warriors. He always prepares people. He always puts his hand on people and prepares them even before they know they're being prepared for something. When God has a special mission, he puts a demand on a life for a special lifestyle. There's certain things God wants the church to accomplish and those things will not be accomplished if the lifestyles do not change. Because they're unique assignments in these last days. And I believe this year is a year of deep devotion and God is calling the church to a place of intimacy with him like never before. The primary ministry of Jesus was not a ministry of teaching or preaching. The primary ministry of Jesus was not a ministry of healing the sick. The primary ministry of Jesus was a ministry of prayer. If you read through the scriptures, you find that he was more excited about his prayer life than anything else. He was more excited about being with the Father through the night than anything else. He would get away from public success to a place of solitude just to be with God. In the eyes of people, it would look like he was stepping down. Because all of a sudden, the crowds are coming to him. And yet, he's, he's running away from the crowds. Most people today are running for the crowds. He's running away from the crowds to find solitude, to be with God. His primary ministry was a ministry of prayer. And you have to be convinced about this. Because you have to say, what Jesus am I following? What Jesus are you following? If the Son of God in flesh prayed all night, prayed so many hours, sought the Lord with such fervency, who are we to think we're okay with five minute prayers a day? The Son of God himself spent all night praying. Listen, if there's anyone that didn't need to pray, it would be Jesus. If there's anyone that was okay, it would be Jesus. He's gifted in every way. He's blessed. He is God himself. If he's praying with that kind of intensity... Doesn't that make you think that we need to have some kind of intensity in our own personal lives? I am not God. I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm not that gifted. But I recognize the ministry of Jesus to be with the Father. And I want to be like that. So I pray and I seek God because I want to be like Jesus. I want to pray like he prayed. Do you want to pray like Jesus? I do. Well, you need to start to have a vision this year of going deep in devotion. The significance of Jesus' activities was not just the fact that he healed the sick. The significance of his activities was a secondary consequence of the depth of his devotion. His activity in the outward was a byproduct of what was going on on the inward inside of him. 
See, it doesn't matter whether you speak before, I mean, because I'm in ministry, I talk from a ministry point of view. And many people in ministry, it's not a bad thing. Every pastor and every leader wants their church to grow. They want thousands. They want to see more. It's not a bad thing. It's a, it's a good desire. And it could get to a point where that desire becomes a primary thing. If you're not in ministry, for you, it might be your business. For you, it might be whatever it is. You find that we start chasing the crowds. And I want to I get you to think like this. It doesn't matter whether I am speaking, me, James, whether I'm speaking in front of five people or I'm speaking in front of 50,000 people. It doesn't matter what the opportunity, because if I said to you tomorrow, I've been invited to speak in front of 50,000 people, everyone's going, wow, that's amazing, great opportunity. It doesn't matter whether I'm speaking in front of five people or 50,000 people. It's still a step down from one-on-one conversation with the creator of the universe. Regardless of the opportunities around me, my conversation with him is greater than anything else that can happen around me. And I want you to begin to think like that. The most important thing in your life right now is your devotional life. Because if your devotional life is not set and prepared, you will not be in the place to handle the weight of what God wants to release over you. And what he wants to release will end up destroying you. God wants revival more than we want revival, you know. But he's not found the people that he can entrust that revival to in its fullness yet. Revival is not just an act of God. It's, it's God and man partnering together. Man laying hold of things of God and God laying hold of man. And a unique combination in partnering. Some people say revival is just God moving. Yes, it's God moving. But you find that there's always been somebody that's done something or some people who've touched God in a unique way. And many times they're not. It's because there's been a private devotional life. And there's been a private walk with God that God basically, revival is basically God taking someone and amplifying what's been going on behind the scenes that no one knew about. If God were to amplify what's going on behind the scenes in your life, are we going to have revival? <laughs> if everyone in the planet was to start living like you're living right now, are we going to have revival? What is the quality of your lifestyle because you don't spend most of your time in meetings. You spend most of your time outside of meetings. Sorry, you don't spend, yeah, you don't spend most of your time in meetings. You spend most of your time outside of meetings, maybe on your own, even in your thoughts. You know, what's going on there? God is very concerned about that. So we need to ask ourselves, what Jesus are we following? And if we say we're following Jesus, are we doing what he did? And I want to make this point. This is a strong point. Many times we're fighting the agonizing war with our beds in the morning. <laughs> and our beds are saying to us, come lay on me. <laughs> Someone else will do your praying for you. Come lay on me. <laughs> You're too tired to pray right now. I want to say to you, the church is exhausted today because we get too much sleep. I'm not saying you shouldn't sleep. But I want you to reevaluate how you spend your time. Narrow your life down. Give God the best, not the leftovers. Not when you're about to sleep and you're, you know you're going to fall off, you say a prayer and you fall asleep by saying, you're giving God leftovers. Give God your best. 
When you're fully awake, when you give him your best. You know, just, you know, I believe in the principle of tithing. If you don't tithe, I don't know what to say to you. <laughs> just like we tithe in our money, I believe we can tithe in our time. We can give our time, the best of our time to God. You know, I just had a revelation right now. That's why praying in the morning is very important. Because it's like the first fruits. <laughs> it's the first thing you do. And you're spending with him. Jesus woke up very early in the morning to pray. I'm not a morning, well, I've had to make myself a morning person. And uh, my wife is not really a morning person either. <laughs> So I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to ask you to pray at 5 or 4 or 3 or whatever a.m. I'm asking you to work out when is the best time to give to God. Kenneth Hagen um, uh, used to pray through the night. Well, not through, well, he prayed through the night, but he used to pray from like, you know, 12 midnight. Another pastor I know in Manchester here, his prayer time is normally 12 to 2 at a.m. You pick the time you know you're going to give God your best. Are you with me? I'm going to read this scripture and then I'm going to move on from this point. Mark 1.35. It says, now in the morning, ha, look at this, having risen a long while before daylight, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary, a solitary place, a quiet place. And I've not got my phone on me, but I was going to put my phone up and say, these are the things that stop us from having quietness. iPhones, iPads, TVs, Samsungs, <laughs> Blackberries. A solitary place. You need to learn how to turn the things off. Because the distraction will stop you from focus. Jesus found a solitary place. And there he prayed. Everyone say, there he prayed. Okay, we're going to say that again. I'm going to read it and I'll get to that point And we're going to say with some boldness. <laughs> now in the morning, having reason a long while before daylight, Jesus went out, departed into a solitary place. And there he prayed. Everyone. There he prayed. Jesus had a there. Jesus had a place where he prayed. I want to say to you, your there cannot be here, otherwise you'll be everywhere. Your there is not a corporate prayer, prayer, corporate prayer meeting. It's not a church service. It's not a worship meeting. It's not a concert. It's not a Christian event. You're there is you in solitude alone with him. And nothing will ever replace that. Okay? So that's very significant. Find that place of solitude this year. And then the last point I want to make on that before I move on is um, Luke 1.80 talks about John the Baptist. John the Baptist uh, prepared the way of the Lord. And uh, in Luke 180, he says, The little boy grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert until the day of his appearance to Israel, the commencement of his public ministry. And we know that the spirit of Elijah rested upon John. Okay. And then Jesus prophesies that Elijah is coming again. And I believe that could be the physical person of Elijah or the spirit of Elijah. And at this point in time, my heart is leaning more towards the spirit of Elijah. And I feel in my heart, just like the spirit of Elijah rested upon John the Baptist, and his job description was to prepare the way for the coming of Jesus, 
The spirit that rested on John is resting upon a generation right now. That they will prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus. But to prepare the way for the second coming of Jesus, we need to live like John lived to prepare the way for the first coming. And how did he live? He lived in the desert. That's not to say you move out into the desert right now. What's that? That's not to say you move out into the desert and eat, and eat locusts. <laughs> That's to say you position yourself in a place of solitude. And if you look through Scripture, you find that Moses went through to, to a desert. Jesus went to the desert. In fact, prayed in the desert a few times. Uh, uh, Paul went to the desert. There's something about deserts. Some of you have had a desert experience of 2014 and felt dry and hard. But in the desert place, God is calling you to grow strong in strength, spiritual stamina. John grew strong in spirit, even though it was dry around him. In other words, his external circumstances was not affecting his spiritual stamina. What was going on externally was not getting into him. He was changing the environment. The environment was not changing him. You're called to be strong in spirit. But what made John strong in the spirit was what he was doing in his devotional life. Because it says earlier on in Luke 1, the angel said to Zechariah, John will be great in the sight of God. That was his calling. He was called to be great in the sight of God. Not in the sight of man. He ended up being great in the sight of man. But first and foremost, he was great in the sight of God. Your calling is to be great in the sight of God. Are you more concerned about being great in the sight of man than you are being great in the sight of God? Because sometimes the things that make you great in the sight of God makes you not so great in the sight of man. Sometimes the things that God really values and want you to value are not the things that men around you value. If you're going to be great in the sight of God, then you have to take what he's saying to you more seriously. So John lived a life of fasting and prayer. And he had a deep devotion. And he didn't realize that, well, he, he knew from his dad, I'm sure, that he was, he was being prepared for a significant mission. But his life of devotion prepared him. And the life of devotion prepared him for this. Or suddenly. Look at what he says. He was in the desert until the day of his manifestation to Israel. There was an appointed day that God was saying, now is the time when I'm going to, Put you out to the nation. For many years, no one knew who John was. But he was, he, was, he was building secret history with God. And then he got on the platform and preached a message. And when he preached that message, the whole nation shook. You know why? Because before he preached the message, he lived the message. And this year, God is calling you to begin to give yourself to deep devotion because in the place of deep devotion, he's going to be preparing you for a day of manifestation. And your day of manifestation may not be on a platform. Your day of manifestation may be a promotion. And all of a sudden, you have a position of influence you never thought you were going to have. And all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to do something you never thought you were going to do. And all of a sudden, God orchestrates situations around you. But actually, five years before that situation came about, God was preparing you because you were giving yourself in deep devotion. And if you didn't give yourself in deep devotion, when that moment came, you would have missed what God was actually preparing you for. Are you with me? So that is why this is very important. The other day I was in the prayer room just praying and, uh, you know, with a few people, kind of the all-night prayer meetings. And out of nowhere, these words came out of my mouth. 
2015 will be a year of the divine suddenly. So that's the next point. Because the first one is a year of deep devotion, a year of divine suddenlies. It's not the kind of thing I would say, but it it, kind of hit me so hard. And I really felt in my heart like this was a word that God was wanting to release over his people. Because really, before God does things in the earth, he always releases a word. And somebody lays hold of that word, even in scripture. And somebody prays in that word, or somebody agrees with that word. And God is saying, this year is a year of divine suddenlies. And when that came to me, I just started to have pictures of people that have been struggling and going through difficult circumstances for years and years and years. And I felt like God was saying, in a moment, there's going to be a turnaround. In a moment, things are just going to shift. In a moment, the things that you thought were going to happen five years, ten years down the line, are just boom. You're just blown away. Because God is a God of the divine suddenlies. Acts 2. Suddenly, there was a sound. Suddenly, there was a sound. The disciples were in the place of devotion. They were in the place of seeking him and were suddenly manifested. Now, I want to read to you something, um, and I want to briefly look at the life of Abraham. Because there's a point I want to emphasize in the life of Abraham here. In Genesis 17, let me just uh, say a few things. Abraham was promised the son, uh, uh, Isaac. The promised son was Isaac. Okay? The prophetic word that God gave Abraham was, you're going to give birth to, you know, the promised Isaac. But what happened, as we all know, Abraham ended up following the advice of the flesh uh, and ended up giving birth to Ishmael. So Ishmael became the firstborn. The promise was his son would carry something significant. In fact, it was not just Abraham's son. It was, this, it, was genera- it was a generational blessing. But the promise was on his son. So because the firstborn was not Isaac, what happened? That promise still stood. Isaac then became the secondborn. <laughs> you know why this is interesting? Because Abraham, because he was a patriarch and was a significant person in his family, his mistake set a precedent in his, in his bloodline. So the promise transferred from the firstborn to the secondborn. Because in Abraham's case, the firstborn was a work of the flesh. So what happened? Isaac gives birth. His, his wife has a baby. And what happens? The blessing is not on Esau. It transfers to Jacob. The second son, because Abraham has set a law in motion. You've got to be careful what you do when you're very anointed of God. <laughs> because your actions can set in motion precedents and things in your family line. So it became a generational thing. Now, Abraham prayed in Genesis 17. He says, oh Lord, that you will bless Ishmael. And then God said, God's first word was, no! (laughs) 
He says, oh, that God, you will bless Ishmael. And God said, no, you're asking me to bless the work of the flesh. You're asking me to bless what I did not initiate. You do not know what you're praying, Abraham. <laughs> you're asking me to bless Ishmael. You don't know that 100, 200, 400, 1,000 years from now, Ishmael will come about to be a, a great trouble. You don't know what you're praying. Be careful what you pray for. <laughs> sometimes you can start, you know, sometimes we do things in the flesh and ask God to come and bless it. Sometimes we start things without inquiring of God. And then we then say, God, come and bless this. And actually, it wasn't his idea in the first place. Be careful what you pray for. God knew that Ishmael was dangerous. So God said, no, Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son. That's funny. He says, God, that you will bless Ishmael, that Ishmael will live. And God says, no, Sarah, your wife, will bear a son. Okay? So, the firstborn of Abraham was, was disinherited by God. And then look at what happened in Genesis 21. In Genesis 21... Um, Hagar has Ishmael, and they kind of asked to leave. And uh, they've run out of uh, 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 supplies. And in, in Genesis 21, I believe 16, it says, So Hagar lifted up her voice and wept. And look at this is very interesting. And God heard the voice of the lad. Hagar lifted up her voice and cried. But heaven did not hear Hagar's cry. Heaven heard the boy, Ishmael's cry. You know why? Because the boy's father was the one that was in the covenant. Because the boy's father was in covenant, that qualified the boy's cry to be heard, even though Hagar was not a person of covenant. Hagar cried, God heard the voice of the lad, and God delivered them because Abraham was, I'm going somewhere with this. Abraham was the man of the covenant. The firstborn was, was disinherited, became a, a generational issue. Now, look back to what happened with Isaac. When his wife was pregnant, and there were two nations. This is where I'm going. There were two, uh, uh, the, the Lord said, when, when, uh, uh, when she was pregnant, she sensed that there was conflict going on in the womb. Because all of a sudden, the, the, the law that's been set in motion by Abraham is operating. And now the second born is wrestling unconsciously in the womb. <laughs> you know, there are things that happen to us unconsciously that we don't know uh, because of things that have happened years ago that we've, you know, there, there are things that go on that beyond what we can understand as to what's happening right now. There were subconscious conflicts going on in the womb. I mean, the baby doesn't really know what's going on, but they're reacting to something. And look at what happens. As the two nations are in the womb, in Genesis 25, it says, when they were born, uh, uh, as they're coming out of the womb, when Esau was coming out of the womb, the Bible says, Jacob stretched his hand and touched the heel of Esau, indicating prophetically, this is where I'm going. Jacob touched the heel of Esau as he was coming out of the womb, indicating prophetically that you may be going before me, but the first shall be the last. 
You go ahead as much as you can. But the spirit of the overtaker is coming over me. The spirit of divine acceleration is coming over me. You may be ahead of me, but I'm coming from behind. Jacob was saying, I'm coming from behind. The overtaker is, is going to work right now. And I'm here to say to somebody today, you may have been behind. It may have felt like your life has been, has been regret after regret and backward activities or circumstances after. It seems like things are not moving forward. But I believe God is wanting to declare this word that the overtaking anointing is coming over you for this year. The overtake, you're, you're coming from behind. You're coming from behind and you're going to overtake. Look, let them go. They may be more gifted than you. Let them go. Everyone else around you seems to be succeeding apart from you. Everyone around you seems to be getting married apart from you. Everyone around you seems to be getting a new job apart from you. Everyone around you seems to be getting fulfilled and you feel like you're left behind. And God is saying in this 2015, just like the blessing was on Jacob, I'm releasing that blessing over you so that you can come from behind and overtake. Somebody say overtake. Overtake. This is the year of the overtaking. This is the year of the moving forward. We will not stay behind anymore. We will, now look at this. In Matthew 9.20, Matthew 9.20, it says, Matthew 9.20 says, and suddenly, everyone say suddenly. And suddenly, a woman with a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, came from behind, came from behind. And suddenly, a woman with the issue of blood came from behind. The overtaker anointing came over her. She came all the way from behind and laid hold of a breakthrough. There's some people here right now who have been feeling behind. You better take care because they're coming from behind. I'm coming from behind. I'm coming from behind. I will not have delays anymore. There may have been delays in my life, but I declare this year is a year where I move forward. No more delays. No more delays for acceleration comes over me this year. Not next year. This year I come from behind to overtake. I overtake. Does anyone believe this? I overtake this year. I want you to say it. I overtake. I overtake. I'm coming from behind. And I overtake this year. In the name of Jesus. Another scripture here. It says, Elijah in 1 Kings 18 was behind. The king of Israel got on his chariots. And you know, the chariots of that day was the fastest traveling, uh, whatever. <laughs> it was like the private jet of today. The king Ahab got on his chariot, about to go to the next city. And Elijah was stuck behind. And the Bible said, the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah. And even though some guy has a private jet and is moving with such speed, the Spirit of the Lord came on Elijah and he says, Elijah began to run. And there was acceleration in his feet such that Elijah overtook the chariots. Elijah, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, overtook the chariots. 
I feel like there's some people here, you've been saying to God, I am too old and I've not seen these things happen. You're comparing yourself to some younger people around you, maybe even comparing yourself to me, and say, look at him, he's young, he's done this, God, I'm doing nothing for you. I want to say to you, just like the Spirit of God came over Elijah, there is an overtaking, an overtaking, an overtaking that's going to be taking place this year. I decree it. Stand with me, we're going to make a declaration right now. We, we're going to make a declaration right now. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. We're going to say, in the name of Jesus, I make an announcement that the spirit of the overtaker and the spirit of divine acceleration comes upon me. In the name of Jesus, this is my year of outrunning chariots. Say it again. This is my year of outrunning chariots. Because I am in motion right now. We're going to say that again. This is my year of our running chariots. Because I am in motion right now in the name of Jesus. You can take your seats. The third thing for 2015. 2015 is going to be a year of total obedience. This is the last point I'm making, and then we're going to pray. If the band could get ready to come up, that would be awesome. 2015 is going to be a year of total obedience. Acts 2 verse, sorry, Acts 1 verse 4. And being assembled with them, he, referring to Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Which is, which, is, uh, which is said, you have heard from me. Referring to the Holy Spirit. Jesus commanded his disciples not to depart from Jerusalem. That was the command. And as they obeyed that command, they had to suddenly take place. As they obeyed the command of God, they had to suddenly take place. Some of you are in disobedience to what the Lord has said. Some of you are living out of alignment with what God has said. And I believe the Lord is saying to you, you will not see the fulfillment of the divine suddenlies in your life, in areas of your life, where you know specifically you are not walking in obedience. Some of you may be holding on to unforgiveness, holding on to hurts and pains, and holding on to things that you're not letting go, you're short-circuiting things of the Spirit by holding on to that unforgiveness. You're not living in obedience. And this is the year of 100% obedience. Not 99.9% .9 obedience, 100% obedience to what the Lord is speaking to you about. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. You can't compromise and expect God to supernaturally endorse your life. You can't do that. It's not going to work. Let go of the unforgiveness. Let go of the compromise. Let go of the distractions. And I finish with this. Second Kings 4 talks about, um, I think it's Elisha. When he told the lady... Uh, to get some vessels and to uh, start pouring the oil. 
And she prepared the vessels, got vessels from her friends and everyone, and started pouring the oil. This is in 2 Kings 4. And it says in verse 6, Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said, There is not another vessel left. So the oil ceased to flow. The point I want to make from that as a roundup is many times, your level of preparation determines your level of outpouring. Many times, your respond your response to what the Lord is saying determines the measure in which he releases to you. When he releases a word and you know he's the one speaking, you better take hold of that word fully and give yourself fully to it. Because this is the year when I believe God wants us to walk in some things that we haven't walked in before. Starting from the place of intimacy. As I was praying a few weeks ago, one of the things that I felt the Lord was saying to me was, I'm going to release encounters with people. I'm going to release encounters to people in the place of intimacy with me. I'm going to release some sudden encounters that would mark people for the rest of their lives. And I, and I have felt like 2014 and 15 are crucial for what God is preparing for 16 and 17. This is a year of divine and total obedience. What I want to do right now is I want to I want to get uh, you to respond. But what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to stand. No, not yet. No, no, don't stand just yet. I'm going to tell you why I want you to stand. The reason why I want you to stand is this. Not everyone needs to stand, but I want you to stand if you're in your heart responding to this word. And this is why I want to explain it. Because when you stand, it's an act of faith. And you are saying, yes, God, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm standing and agreeing with your word. And I'm not just agreeing with your word, I'm putting my life in alignment with your word. And by standing, you're saying, God, this year, I'm going to give myself to seeking you like I've never done before. This year, I'm going to prepare my there. I'm, I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm going deeper in the word. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give time. I'm going to give you the best of my time this year. I want to pray like I've never prayed before this year. This year, I want to live in 100% obedience. Whatever you've been speaking to me about, Lord, if there's been uh, areas where you've been disobedient, you're standing and saying, God, I'm repenting of that. And I'm saying yes to 100% obedience this year. And lastly, standing, you're saying, God, this year as I stand, I am in agreement for divine suddenly in my life this year. What qualifies you for that suddenly is your obedience to his word. See if that's you, I want you to stand right now. And if you can, I want you to just pray in the spirit right now. If you, if you don't know what to pray, 
Just say, thank you, God. I'm saying yes to you right now. I'm saying yes to the suddenly. I'm saying yes to the moving forward. I'm saying yes to the devotional lifestyle this year. I'm saying yes, I will not be held back anymore. This year I move forward. This year I go deeper than I've ever gone before. I see the Lord releasing ideas to people. I see the Lord releasing business concepts and ideas to people. I see the Lord releasing solutions to people as you begin to go deep in devotion. I see the Lord unraveling mysteries to people without you even seeking it. You've just been making time to pray and just making time to pray in the Spirit and just seek Him. And all of a sudden, I feel like the Lord is going to start to download mysteries. I see the Lord releasing dreams that define you for the rest of your life. I mean, like night vision dreams. Night vision dreams that seem like so real. I feel like God is going to start to release unique encounters over His people. Right now, just pray. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you. We say yes to you this year like never before. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you, Jesus. We say yes to you like never before. We're going to give ourselves to you like never before. We're going to position ourselves at your feet like never before. We're going to go after you like never before. We're not just going after blessings. We're not going after your hands. We're going after your face. We're going after your heart like never before. This is the year to seek your heart like never before. In the name of Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. We run, we run, we run, we run. We run, we run, we run after you, Jesus. Ha 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 ha. 